You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is number 49. So we're about to crack 50 here, So which is which is fun. Um, but it is Friday, November 20th. Um, we are officially a week into the college basketball season, which is exciting and, and kind of crazy. You know, you, you spend all summer waiting for it. Um, finally gets here and it, it just snaps by. But uh, But yeah, a ton of great action last week. A ton of great action coming up in the coming week. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be excited about about around the Big Ten. But um, but yeah, my my name's Thomas Bendit. I'm the the manager of BT Powerhouse. Um, we have a a really exciting podcast today. Um, as I mentioned last week, kind of how the general format is going to go is it's going to be every Friday morning. Hopefully, we'll get it up to the site uh late Friday or you know Friday afternoon, and then um. The basic podcast, we're going to spend the first half talking kind of about the Big Ten, what's going on uh, in the conference, and then we're going to have a special guest on for the second half, and we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in the national scene, uh, some of the other things that the Big Ten fans might not have as close of a, a finger on, a, you know, a thumb uh, to see what's going on. But um, yeah, and, and for that, we're going to be having Robert O'Neill um, from Big East Coast Bias, um, obviously the the big event this week has been the the Gavit games for um, between the Big Ten and the Big East. So I, I think he was a, an appropriate guest. And, and we're hoping to actually start to have him on each week to kind of talk about what's going on elsewhere, not just the Big East, um, as he's a, a college basketball diehard. But, but before we before we get to him, we have uh, Sean Nash, who's one of our own contributors on, to kind of chat about the Big Ten and what's going on. Sean, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me on this week. Yeah, yeah. Excited to chat some basketball. Obviously, there's a there's been a lot of action. Whether it's been the Gavit games, some non-conference games, the Champions Classic. Uh, what what have been your big your big general thoughts and I guess takeaways of you know the first week of of college basketball in the Big Ten? Uh, I think obviously we learned already with uh, Michigan State they're certainly for real and a threat to make a deep run uh, when we get to March. Uh, Indiana so far, a team uh, I'm going to be covering throughout the season. Uh, they're one of the most fun teams so far to watch in college basketball. Uh, Thomas Bryant so far so good, averaging 13 points a game. Uh, calling himself a Jim Lyon last night after uh, their win over Creighton, uh, which is interesting. And that guy is just, he's insane on the court. Just crazy energy from him so far. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, um, that's one game I definitely wanted to get to was, was last night, you know, as part of the Gavit games, uh, I believe there's eight, um, total big 10 big East games and, um, Indiana played last night. They played against Creighton, um, who Creighton, I, I don't think anybody thinks is a great team this year, but they're at least a, a decent top 100 ish team. And, um, Indiana just blew the doors off of them. Uh, I don't know about you. Did you ever think Creighton was in that game? 
No, I mean, when Indiana just goes on the, uh, those runs, and we saw it uh, last week in their second game where they went, I think, hit 14 shots in a row. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of competition you're going against. If you're a team that can shoot like that, there's nobody that can play with you. Um, and I think we'll, uh, with their weaker opponents, we'll see a lot like this. Uh, but obviously with the Maui Invitational and then the trip to Duke, I think we'll really learn how good this Indiana team is and if they can play uh, at that speed and that intensity against a uh, stiffer competition. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you, and, you know, I hate to read too much into, you know, a game or two, but um, honestly, I, I think Indiana might be able to go on the road and beat Duke. Um, you know, I – I didn't think uh, – I don't know if you had a chance to watch that Duke-Kentucky game on Tuesday, but um, I didn't think Duke looked all that great. I know they're playing Kentucky, but um, I think Indiana has a fighting chance. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, certainly. Obviously, Duke lost quite a few pieces uh, from their championship team last year. And like I said, if Indiana can shoot uh, the way they did or the way they have so far this season, they just have so many options on the floor um, at this point. And even Yogi Ferrell, he struggled last night going one for six from the outside. But even when you got guys like that, uh, you still got Nick Zyslov, James Blackman, both going four for six from the outside that can really pick up the slack. Then you got Thomas Bryant showing he can step out. I know he only went one for four, but if he can hit uh, outside shots consistently and force big men outside, that'll be huge for the Hoosiers moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I think the most telling thing of that game, you know, I, I was obviously watching it, and, um, you know, Indiana, you know, hyper pace, you know, running, trying to get as many shots up as possible, and Creighton was just so out of it that at one point, you know, just just trying anything, they throw out a zone, and Indiana just immediately nails, like, two threes, and it was just like, man, yeah, you, you guys have no chance in this game, <laughs> but, um, yeah, which- but, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, which I was going to say is a good sign because that's been one of the biggest things for Indiana the past couple of years is that they could never play against the 2-3 zone. And then Creighton goes into it, and I thought, ah, oh, here we go. They're going to start making a comeback. But sure enough, Indiana just started knocking down more shots, and uh, that's what they have to do. A, a team would be crazy with as many shooters as they have to run 2-3 zones against this team this year. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. You know, I, I know that's been kind of the – uh, quote-unquote Achilles heel or whatever you want to call it for Indiana. But I, I just – I don't think that's going to work this year against this team. Um, I think it's going to be uh, one of the best offensive teams in the country if it isn't already. And, um, you know, seeing how that defense and Bryant kind of progresses will be interesting. But, um, but yeah, they're going to have some big matchups. I know they get Wake Forest on Monday, which is a uh, another intriguing game. Um, I think Indiana wins. But um, definitely Wake Forest is not a not a joke. But um, but yeah, yeah. Indiana obviously off to a hot start, three and zero. Um, I did want to hit on the other uh, massive win of the week, which you know you were talking about was Michigan State over Kansas. Um, I know you said that you you thought Michigan State was for real. Now, what, what were kind of your takeaways of that game? I know uh, it seemed like the national media was kind of shocked that Kansas went down. Well, I think what we saw from both of those games uh, Tuesday night is that even if you get a lead up on these top Big Ten teams, obviously you can't put them away. I believe Michigan State was down 13 at one point in the second half, uh, and they just kept battling and kept coming back at Kansas. Um, And Kansas did a good job in the second half holding them off for the most part, but then those final couple minutes, um, 
Michigan State was able to knock down a, a couple of big shots there. Obviously, Denzel Washington uh, getting that triple-double was huge. Or, excuse me, Denzel Valentine, not Denzel Washington, uh, not the actor. Uh, the basketball player was able to get a, a triple-double. Um, and then Matt McQuaid coming out of nowhere, knocking down those two late threes, going three for three from the floor, having that huge block uh, on the defensive end. Uh well, it was uh, obviously a surprise. I don't think anyone knew who Matt McQuaid was entering <laughs> that game. Uh, but obviously, uh, there's still some work to do for Michigan State. They allowed Perry Ellis to go off for 21 points. Uh, Frank Mason and uh, Wayne Selden also had some pretty big games there. So some work to do there. But uh, obviously, that's the type of game you expect to see in a Sweet 16 Elite Eight setting. Um, it's, a, it's a good sign already. I guess a bad sign for everyone else in college basketball if Tom Izzo's teams are already winning those kind of games. Yeah, yeah. I thought, um, you know, the the biggest thing for me, you know, obviously uh, Denzel Valentine just was on fire. He was unbelievable in that game. I mean, uh, I don't know his stat line off the top of my – okay, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. And, uh, you know, that kind of speaks for itself on how crazy he was, but – you know, one of the other things that people aren't really talking about is Valentine had a 12 to one assist to turnover ratio in that game. Like he is legitimately putting up what would be like insane point guard numbers, but he's not really playing point guard. He's also like scoring as well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see if he can keep up these numbers. Um, but if he puts up numbers like that, he's going to be big 10 player of the year. I mean, there's just, there's no getting around it. Um, I, I mean, it, we're talking triple-double on almost a nightly basis. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the other thing, too, which we kind of already knew was that, um, or at least for those who had been following Michigan State, is uh, they've become a really good shooting team, a really good offensive team um, over the last couple of years. And I think that really carried them to that win. And I think it's going to – if that front court can kind of come along, I think this team is – a not only a serious contender in the Big Ten, but a serious contender for another Final Four, and maybe even the title. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know about it, if it's just me, but I haven't been thoroughly impressed with any single team. You know, last year obviously you had Kentucky, Wisconsin, Duke, but um, I haven't thought any team has massively stood out. Uh, is that something you'd agree with, or? Yeah, for the most part, obviously, um, it's scary for the rest of the nation to see Kentucky just kind of handle Duke the way they did on Tuesday. Uh, but obviously, a very young team, five newcomers playing for them uh, at this point. But yeah, no one really impressive. Um, I mean, I, I think the best teams, obviously, they're going to come out of the Big Ten and the ACC, but no one's really wowed at this point. Obviously, there haven't been a lot of big games yet. We'll see. A lot more, I think, this week coming up with Maui and then obviously the Big Ten ACC Challenge on if there's any uh, true front runners uh, for the national title moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I personally, um, I know I'm going to talk with Robert later in the podcast about some of the national stuff, but personally I would vote Kentucky number one if I had an AP ballot, which uh, unfortunately I don't. But, but, uh, but, like, I have – Last year, you know, obviously they played Kansas in the Champions Classic and just destroyed them. I mean, they won by like 40 points. And this year, yeah. you know, they win, they win convincingly over Duke, but it isn't like an eyebrow-raising win. So, I mean, 
And, and what my point is, is I think they're beatable. I think a team like Indiana, Michigan State, uh, maybe Maryland, Purdue, you know, one of the top Big Ten teams, even if they're not an insane team, can knock off one of, you know, a Kentucky like that. Last year, you really felt like the whole season, it was like, yeah, it's going to be Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky, and, uh, you know, maybe one of the other ACC teams. But it felt like it was just deadlocked that those teams were going to face. But it doesn't feel like that so far. You know, maybe that'll change. But, um, but yeah, so I, I definitely think Michigan State is a contender. Obviously a huge win. Um, I don't think they have much coming up immediately. They get a couple – uh, easy games. Thanksgiving, they head out west. Um, they get Boston College, potential matchup with Arizona. But, um, yeah, they get a few easy games off here. So, well, at least, you know, hopefully for the Spartans, they, they get them off. But, uh, but yeah, um, one, one of the other, a couple of the other teams I wanted to touch on. Um, first, Maryland. Um, the, I think, unanimous or nearly unanimous pick to win the Big Ten before the season. Um, yep. They're 2-0. and they beat uh, Mount St. Mary's at home pretty convincingly, and then they hold off Georgetown in a thrilling game on Tuesday night. Uh, what are your thoughts on Maryland, and uh, how do you think they've played so far? Well, I think it goes to your point about talking about there's no real team that's wowed us so far. Uh, I mean, Maryland, they were uh, they didn't look great to start off that game. Devontae Smith-Rivera kind of had his way early. I mean, all of Georgetown's starters had great games, all scoring in double figures, uh, and it really took Maryland knocking down a few shots uh, at the end uh, to win this one. Uh, Diamond Stone so far, uh, only five points in that game, one for four shooting. Not great, but Rashid Suleiman seems to be a great fit. The transfer from Duke uh, so far, he had 10 points, played 37 minutes, most minutes by far, or not by far, but uh, for Maryland. Uh, and then, of course, Melo Trimble is just Melo Trimble with 24 points. Obviously, uh, some struggles at the free throw line early, but then knocks down four in a row to kind of steal that game. Uh, but, yeah, they certainly have uh, some weak points they need to, to work on. Uh, obviously, that was a big game, a lot riding on it. First time both those teams have played, which apparently used to be a huge rivalry. I had no idea that that was even a thing because it's been, what, 40 years since they've played? Uh um, but, yeah, I think it goes back to your point, uh, Thomas, that really there's no wow teams here in the uh, first week in college basketball. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I think the big thing, um, you know, Mellow, Mellow Trimble is, is that team. You know, for anyone who talked about, you know, I know there was some rumblings that, you know, maybe Robert Carter, Mellow Trimble. Um, and, and the biggest thing he did was, he did last year is he gets to the free throw line he makes people follow him I mean he had 18 free throw attempts on the night um you know 13 for 18 uh shooting from the line but um yeah and he got he fouled essentially he was responsible for fouling I forget who fouled out um for Maryland but um or not Maryland Georgetown but um, he got a lot of those guys in foul trouble and he got them sitting on the bench for long durations um, but outside of him, I thought, I thought the big things that, uh, you know, obviously he was fantastic, but outside of him, I thought the things that really held Maryland back is, uh, they had an awful shooting first half. And I know that's, 
maybe that's excuse like whatever you want to call it but i mean they had open looks and you know jake layman's just Mm -hmm. ribbing them out or missing them and uh i don't think maryland's a shooting team you know a la an indiana or something like that but they're they should have shooters and i mean they layman was not shooting well uh nickens was not shooting well he went one for five i think he was one of the best shooters on the team last year um so I mean I, I think there are the shooting was a bit um uh how do I want to say this uh below average for where they're going to be normally. Um but the other yeah. thing is uh the center position was not good for Maryland. Um you know Dodd and Stone were the main guys there. Um they combined for 5 points. Uh Stone had a 64 offensive rating. Dodd had a 70 offensive rating. And may I say, Diamond Stone was undiamond-like in this game. <laughs> uh, had to throw out that joke. But, <laughs> uh, no, and, and I, I think that's the big thing. You know, there was a lot of talk that, you know, maybe Diamond Stone wasn't the best big man on this team and that Dodd would beat him out and kind of maintain that spot. I think we've seen that um, Maryland, to be what, people perceived Maryland to be before the year stone has to be better than that. I mean, he has to be putting up more than five points in a game and playing 14 minutes. You know, it's just a fact. And um, I think this team is one of the best teams in the big 10, regardless, even if stone is just an okay guy, but they are not going to be a dominant final four contender if stone plays like that. So I think that'll be the big thing to watch going forward on Maryland. Um, Obviously it's, it's better to, you know, kind of fix your mistakes after a win than a loss. <laughs> but um Yeah. Uh yeah, they, they should get a few a few easier games uh coming up. Um they're gonna have their their non conference tournament. Um and then obviously the, the Big Ten ACC showdown uh with North Carolina, I think that's gonna tell a lot about whether Stone has started to turn the corner. Um I know North Carolina might still be without Marcus Page for that game. Uh all that's still up in the air, but there will be more challenges for Maryland. It'll it'll be interesting to follow. But um yeah, I think the big thing is they need Diamond Stone to produce more than he did. Um even on the defensive end, you know, if he can take a step up there, I think that that would do a lot. But um but yeah, yeah, moving down, um a couple other couple other teams I wanted to hit on here. Uh one of the big ones uh Wisconsin. Um not for good reasons, but bad reasons. <laughs> Um, yeah, we haven't had our pod, our podcast since they lost at home to uh, what, Western Illinois last Friday night. Um, what are your thoughts on Wisconsin? Was it a fluke? Is it something to keep your eye on? Um, where are the Badgers headed? Well, I think it's always something to keep your eye on. Obviously, this stuff happens. We see it every year where teams that shouldn't lose to an inferior opponent do in the early season. Uh, but it does show their vulnerabilities, obviously. Uh, losing Frank the Tank, obviously doing a lot more than uh, we thought it would. Uh, I mean, good bounce backs against Siena and North Dakota, not that they've really had any strong competition since that loss to Western Illinois. Uh, and Western mm-hmm. Illinois, typically a pretty decent team. Uh, obviously, we'll learn a lot more about this Wisconsin team. they got Georgetown uh, coming up this week, obviously, and then in a couple weeks, uh, they go at Oklahoma and at Syracuse. Uh, so I think we'll learn really how good this uh, Wisconsin team is here in the next couple weeks. Um, but 
I, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily a reason to hit the panic button yet. Uh, I mean, these guys seem to have it going uh, the other night against uh, North Dakota. Uh, Hayes played all right. Uh, Koenig, Koenig and Happ uh, both led the way with 17 points. Both shot well from the floor, both knocking down seven field goals. So, uh, you know, obviously outside they're not a great shooting team. They really haven't ever been. Uh, just shooting 30% outside the other night. Um, if that's something they can improve on, that can certainly help. Um, but, yeah, like I said, no reason yet to hit the panic button. If they if they lose a couple more games here in the non-conference, though, it might be then. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, there's there's no way around it. I always I always say this. Um, I wrote, actually wrote an article on Wisconsin last weekend. But the thing is, is, like, there's no getting around it. And I think the first step has to be just admitting yeah, that was a terrible loss. You know, losing to Western Illinois at home. I don't care. You can talk about, oh, you know, they hit their shots or they played really tough. You know, whatever whatever terms you want to use, it's a it's a bad loss. You know, there's there's no getting around that fact. But at the same time, it's also only one game. You know, we've seen teams. You know, Michigan State lost to Texas Southern last year and they made the Final Four. So I I don't think it's necessarily a death sentence because you lose one of those games, but. You know, you have to get back on track. You have to win some of these games. You know, and I think uh, they play Georgetown later tonight, and I think that is a huge game. You know, Georgetown is beatable, uh, definitely beatable, and I think Wisconsin has to get that game. But, um, yeah, I think the big the big things to follow are going to be Vito Brown and Ethan Happ. Um, I think this team is going to kind of ride or die with those guys because – and not because I think they're the best players, because I think Hayes and Koenig are pretty, pretty predictable – I think they're both going to play well. They're both going to score 15 to 20 points a night. And I think it's going to be about how much do they get around those guys. And I think, you know, Happ and Brown, they played pretty underwhelming in that first, uh, in that loss to Western Illinois. But they started to come along. And I, I think if those two guys can keep coming and uh, Khalil Iverson, who's, who played really, actually played pretty well in the opener and I think might be the best uh true freshman on the team, uh, half redshirted. But um, uh, I think watching how kind of those role players develop will be huge for Wisconsin. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, more to your point, it's not a death sense because look at Purdue last year. They lost two games like that to North Florida and Gardner-Webb and still made the tournament as a, what, eight or nine seed. Uh, so certainly not a death sense or anything. But I, obviously a bit of concern, especially when – those early games, you're looking for your team to come out and just cruise to an early win, get off to a good start, and then it's just a stumble and fall right on your face. And, it, and it's a game where Western Illinois really controlled that whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's another thing. You know, I wrote, I wrote in that article that I did was that, you know, it wasn't a fluke win. You know, Western Illinois deserved to win that game. They all played Wisconsin pretty much from start to finish. Um, you know, maybe you can talk about shooting and, you know, Vito Brown kind of came on at the end, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, they didn't hit a half court heave or something to win the game. You know, they just won it, but um, yeah, definitely not a death sentence. Wisconsin still has plenty of time and they have plenty of non-conference games to score wins. You know, maybe that's a good and bad thing. (laughs) Some difficult games coming up, but um you know, they have they have plenty of room, you know, to build their resume and, and overcome that. But moving on, um, a couple of the other teams, uh, I didn't know if you had any major takeaways from, from these guys. Um, all of them really haven't played anyone yet, so I wasn't going to spend much time on them. But 
uh, Michigan, Purdue, Northwestern, um, uh, I guess Penn State. Um, they're all 2-0. and oh, Ohio State as well. Um, they're all 2-0. and oh. I guess Penn State had the win over DePaul, which was kind of big. But um, any any takeaways on any of those teams? I mean, they're all 2-0. and oh. I guess Purdue's 3-0. and oh. Haven't really played anyone too substantial yet. Uh, with Purdue, obviously the big storyline is A.J. Hammond's finally seeing the floor uh, against Incarnate Word. Uh, but obviously Matt Painter is still going to have a short leash with him. Uh, there was a play where Hammond's uh, – there was a turnover, didn't hustle back, Incarnate Word got an easy bucket. And that was – I think Hammond's was on the floor for maybe a minute. And as soon as that happened, Painter pulled him right off the floor. Uh, he ended up playing 15 minutes, though, scoring eight points. Uh, but Isaac Haas has stepped up so far, and I, I don't think that's really surprising. Another fellow uh, seven-footer, he scored 17 points the other night. Obviously, uh, and then with uh, Caleb Swanigan, uh, he's been uh, decent so far. Uh, obviously, the big thing with Purdue is how good are the guards going to be uh, for these guys outside. Rafael Davis has looked good so far. Uh, but really, it's going to be the how well the guards play is how far this Purdue de- team's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't found anything too surprising. I, I think the um, the big thing for me is that um, uh, I, I I wasn't expecting them to play that well without Hammonds, I guess, um, because again, you know. I, when I say that Purdue hasn't played anyone, I don't mean they have literally have just played, you know, the bottom of the heap. You know, Ohio State played like Grambling State, which is like the worst team in the country every year. Yeah. But because um, Purdue had that game with Vermont at home, which, uh, you know, Vermont's one of those fringe top 100 teams. So they're they're not good by any measure, but they're also not terrible. So, I mean, it's sort of like a at least some sort of sample size on, on how your team is. And, and they played without Hammonds and destroyed Vermont you know Vermont had no chance in that game and I think um you know that kind of shocked me um it is going to be interesting to see how they kind of work out that front court rotation now that Hammonds is back a little bit more but um but yeah I mean it's going to be one of those things you kind of want to wait to see you know they have Old Dominion on Saturday which is uh again not not an outstanding team but Old Dominion is actually good enough to where you beat them and that's a resume boost so I think uh that might give us a little more of a, a taste of how good this Purdue team is. Um, but outside of that, it'll be, uh, you know, I, I, I think they've generally met or exceeded expectations this year. So um, the only other, the only other note on any of those teams I had was just that um, uh, Michigan does get Xavier tonight in the uh, big 10 Big East uh, challenge. It's the final game. So, um, for those wondering if the Big Ten is going to win, uh, that'll be the deciding game. Uh, the Big Ten will win if Michigan wins. Yep. The Big Ten will tie if they don't. So one one thing to follow uh, for the Wolverines, I guess. But um, but yeah, outside of that, you know, generally pretty weak team opponents for those teams, and and they they won out. Um, but uh, but moving on, a, a couple other teams I did want to hit. Uh, the first one is Iowa. Um, everyone seemed to be kind of panic mode when Iowa lost that exhibition game. Um, you know, as I talked about on the podcast last week, it, it actually is one of the best D teams in the country. I know that may not sound great, but um, uh, it's still, you know, it, it's not losing to a normal D2 team, I, I, I guess I should say. But um, but Iowa 3-0 and now, and they played Marquette last night on the road, 
and completely annihilated Marquette. Marquette was never in that game. Um, Purdue, or not Purdue, Iowa won by uh, 28 points. And frankly, that might have actually been closer than the game actually was. <laughs> uh, any takeaways on Iowa so far? Well, I didn't actually watch last night's game. I was watching uh, Rutgers spike it on fourth down to lose to St. John's <laughs> by two last night. And then I switched it over <laughs> to something. I can't remember. Uh, and then I looked at Twitter and saw, well, Iowa's up 23-6. to six. I was like, uh, no need to watch that game. Uh, and I saw Peter Jock ended up going for 20 points, um, four for six from the outside. Uh, obviously, Adam Woodbury's still down low. Uh, gives Iowa a great chance to do something this season. Uh, but, yeah, when when all your scores are scoring in double figures and you, you're up 48-21 to 21 in the first half, I mean, there's not really anything you can do. I, met, I guess. Fran McCaffrey won't be too happy that they let Marquette keep up with them in the second half because Iowa only outscored them by one. But, I mean, you still won by 28 <laughs> on the road at a uh, Big East team. I don't know really how how mad McCaffrey – I know he likes to get mad a lot. I don't know really how mad he can get at this game, though. Mm-hmm. Well, what were your uh, – I guess before I hit on Iowa, uh, what were your thoughts on that Rutgers game? Like, it was just kind of uh, chaos at the end there. Yeah, I I thought Rutgers. I had a thought like they're gonna blow this, aren't they? When uh, <laughs> they were up like 15, and St. John started to knock down a few shots. I mean, they got a clean look at the end. They were literally what probably three tenths of a second away, uh, more on the clock uh, from winning that game. Uh, mm. But obviously, I don't think anyone really expects anything from Rutgers in their second year in the Big Ten. Uh, and that kind of shows why, because I don't think St. John's is a very good team. Um, I think they're going to struggle mightily against Vanderbilt in the first round on Monday uh, out in Maui. Uh, but, yeah, of those of those bottom-tier teams of the, the Big Ten, I think Penn State's been the, the most pleasant surprise so far. You mentioned it earlier, that big win over to Paul uh, the other night in the Gavit tip-off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean um... – you know, I, I think Rutgers, it's one of those things where it's just there isn't enough firepower. I mean, uh, I, I don't I don't think St. John's is great, and I think Rutgers, if they play even semi-decent, they end up winning that game. But, um, yeah, there just isn't enough firepower. You know, Corey Sanders was kind of mediocre last night, and they really need him to produce if they're going to be an okay team. But uh, disappointing loss for them. Uh, on the flip side, Iowa uh, looked outstanding. Um I do think, I said this on Twitter last night, but I do think it's actually a little bit more about Marquette being bad than it is Iowa being great. Because I, I thought Marquette was just had so many self-inflicted mistakes in that game. But uh, but nonetheless, big win for Iowa. Uh, they get Dayton next Thursday. And uh, if they can get a couple of wins here, um, they're going to start building a pretty good NCAA tournament resume. But um, I think that's all I all I got for you here this morning, Sean. Uh, any final thoughts here before before we let you go? Uh, obviously, big week coming up. Uh, should learn a lot more here in the next couple of weeks uh, with the Big Ten and the ACC. Uh, but at the very least, it's great to have college basketball back finally. Yeah, yeah. Everyone can agree with that one. But, uh, Sean, thanks for joining us. Yep, not a problem. Thanks for having me again. Again, that was that was Sean Nash. He contributes to to our site, uh, chatting about the Big Ten there. But uh, but in our second half here, uh, we have Robert O'Neill from Big East Coast Biased uh, to chat a little bit about 
uh, what's going on across the country. Uh, Robert, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Thomas. Uh, it's nice, again, that we got basketball early in the day today, uh, all week pretty much. Uh, really makes getting up, and, uh, you know, it's cold, so don't have to go outside or anything. <laughs> Just stay in and watch basketball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, It's been really nice uh, to get back into the full swing of things. But, um, but yeah, before we jump into kind of some of the national storylines here, uh, obviously you cover the Big East. Uh, Big Ten Big East Challenge going on. Um, only one game left. Uh, what have been some of your takeaways so far? Uh, you know, there haven't been many surprises except for um, Iowa just totally blowing out Marquette yesterday because Marquette, really, they're just in love with shooting the three and they can't control the ball, and that's been a problem all year so far. That's why they're one and two. And they're actually kind of lucky to be one and two who uh, – they needed overtime to beat uh, IUPUI. So Marquette's definitely, uh, they're one of the teams that were pretty hyped uh, as a bubble team coming into the year. So it has been kind of surprising. Other than that, though, uh, the game's gone about how we've expected. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think for the most part, we pretty much predicted them uh, right on <laughs> uh, last week when, when we were talking. Um, I don't think either of us expected that blowout uh, Iowa over Marquette. Um but uh but yeah it it's been a fun event um i've been excited i mean it's normally this time like you'll have two or three teams playing quality opponents and the rest are just kind of you know uh schedule fillers but it's been a lot of fun to have some some real games here um going but um but yeah but with that i i wanted to get to some of the the big national stories here um obviously the champions classic was on tuesday uh michigan state beats Kansas, uh, we were talking about that a little earlier, but Kentucky also beat Duke in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, what were some of your takeaways uh, for the Wildcats beating the Blue Devils? I mean, they looked they looked a lot better than them. And, uh, mm. you know, to shut Grayson Allen down pretty much, they I know he didn't make a shot in the first half. He made a couple in the second half. But, you know, he's a guy that Duke's obviously going to have to rely a lot on, at least in the early goings, because – you know, it takes freshmen a little bit time to adjust. Um, but, yeah, Kentucky just kind of ran them out of the United Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but, you know, so far I, I've kind of thought Kentucky's been the most impressive team in the country so far. Um, is that something you'd agree with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I, I know some of the other teams, you know, Maryland got a lot of hype and so on, but – um. I, I thought Kentucky looked really solid in that game. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but this year seems a lot more wide open at the top than last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, in North Carolina, they should probably be number one, but they're without the best player still in Marcus Page. Uh, you know, Kentucky's good. Maryland's pretty good. Duke's good. Um Obviously, Kansas is still waiting on uh, Bialo to clear his eligibility. So there's still a lot of uh, moving parts near the top. 